1: Welcome into the On Enquirer podcast. Today, we catch up with Michael Tulip because we got a lot to catch up about. A lot has happened in the week since Michael Tulip was last on this podcast, including two Illinois wins over Big Ten opponents. Now, granted, they're at the bottom of the Big Ten standings, but that's what a team like Illinois needs to do against Michigan and Rutgers, uh, who are now both 2-5 and at the bottom of the Big Ten standings. Illinois keeping pace, just a half game behind Purdue and one game behind Wisconsin in this Big Ten race. And of course, uh, their chances in the Big Ten went up a little bit with Terrence Shannon coming back into the fold. Mike breaks down what he saw from Terrence Shannon in his return, how he impacts the rest of the team, and of course, their chances now, both in the Big Ten and further than that in the postseason with Terrence Shannon back on the team. We also dive into a huge week for Coleman Hawkins, Justin Harmon's great performance uh, after what was not a great game against Maryland. And then we look ahead to Wednesday night's game against Northwestern, as well as Saturday's game against Indiana. And since it's Indiana week... I decided to bring up a, a good memory for Michael Tuop and Illini basketball, and the best memory probably of the John Gross era. And there's Illinois beating number one Indiana, Tom Crean, Victor Oladipo, Yogi Ferrell, Cody Zeller, as DJ Richardson had a huge game in that one, and Tyler Griffey, of course, the game-winning layup uh, with the play with 0.8 seconds left. We go down story time with Michael Tuop, and it is worth listening to. He goes in-depth about what happened what his vantage point was, and an interesting post-game experience he and the rest of his Illini team had after that. It's a must-listen. So let's get into it. Michael Toop, up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
1: All right, so it's that time of week to catch up with our guy, Michael Tupela, acquire a basketball analyst, and Mike we've got a lot to talk about. Very eventful week for Illinois basketball, but I want to start here. It was two wins, and what actually happened on the basketball court was maybe Coleman Hawkins' best week. Uh, as a college basketball player and basketball player in general. So I want to talk about Coleman Hawkins' week before we dive into the Terrence Shannon thing. 33 points, 19 rebounds, 11 steals, 8 assists, and 2 wins. Now over 2 bottom Big Ten teams right now in Michigan uh, and Rutgers, but still fantastic week for Coleman Hawkins. What stood out to you most about his really kind of breakout the last few months? Yeah. I think
0: it was an incredible week. There's... No denying that, and I think the the approach I want to take to answer this, if you don't if you don't mind, yeah. is just more of like a thirty thousand foot view of how we got to where we are with with Coleman Hawkins because I think it's a really good case study um, for college basketball mm-hmm. in general, in the state of college basketball right now. I mean, you think about what he's embodied, what he's done in terms of staying here staying at Illinois, you're, you, that's six minutes a game as freshman year, 1.4 points per game. And there are a lot of players that would have left because it, he was behind Kofi, really, and, and some older guys that year. And then that following year, Kofi came back. Grandison was back. DeMonte was back. Like, everyone was back. So he could have easily said – know if he felt like there were greener pastures that he he could have left if he didn't have people in his corner that know basketball and understand development and what that means because that freshman year you could see his role when he came in it was okay energy effort like he you know he keeps balls alive on the offensive glass tip outs you know those types of things good maybe you can see things moving forward with him sophomore year Now he's playing 20 minutes a game, and majority of that's at the four because Kofi's playing. And that was the year I thought that it was hey, this defense is popping because it's Ron Harper Jr., it's Keegan Murray, it's those type of assignments that really open your eyes to say, man, like he can do some things on the defensive end. And all the way into the NCAA tournament where he blocks the game winning shot against Chattanooga. And then you go to junior year and they're starting to incorporate him more in the offense. And then now you're saying, okay, you can run some things through him. Turnover prone at times, sure, but you can run some things through him. So the evolution there of energy and effort, defense, still defense his junior year, but now incorporating some, some offense into there. And then he's put it together, man. He's, he's put it all together this year. And he's become an NBA prospect. He was an NBA prospect after his sophomore year. They were starting to talk about him a little bit. Junior year, he obviously goes to the Combine. Um, and then now it's he's put himself in position to, to get drafted. So I think what gets lost on people is the development piece of it. Mm-hmm. And he has developed. And he's developed because he's stayed in one place. And he's grown within a program. And too many times I think people are – dashing for the next place because that's where they feel like they feel like they can't develop at a place because they have limited playing time and they need to go get it somewhere else where if you have limited playing time odds are something you need to work on somebody in front of you that is doing the things you're not doing and it's going to push you to develop at a more rapid rate and i i mean let's stay in the big 10 look at i know it was years ago but look at frank kaminsky Mm mm-hmm didn't play over 10 minutes a game his first two years i mean four minutes a game his freshman year 10 minutes a game his sophomore year that dude ended up being the national player of the year can i add another one hit me Luca garza yeah <laughs> yeah johnny davis didn't start a single game his freshman year but those guys stayed and you're able to give yourself a chance to develop and if you like what what hurts transfers is every no matter where you go doesn't matter where it is you are learning a new system and there's just a given acclimation process with that so i know that was a a lot of ways to go with coleman hawkins but you can see just his immense value for this team the past few games have been you know indicative of that because the maryland game he has foul trouble everything looks out of sorts you lose the game and then he put he turns in two pretty incredible performances this week and and you you just you're you can't help but be impressed because he's he's stuck it out um and and man he's he's grown as a as a person and a player
1: we know how good he is you know hedging ball screen switching contesting at the rim all those things but 11 steals in two games and and to go along with two of his best rebound performances of the season 19 rebounds a lot of those on on the defensive end mike what i mean the the steel part is is pretty uh, amazing like what what stands out to you about how he's improved on even that end because we know he's improved as a shooter the running offense through him his turnovers have gone down but he, defensively we thought he was already really good borderline elite how is he taking another step or what's he added there
0: yeah i think the film will be great because it's a coleman hawkins special so stick around stick around for that um it's it's his IQ, and some guys are able to get steals just in in different ways. Some just have brute strength on the ball and overpower ball handlers and are able to take your lunch. Some guys like Coleman's the best I've seen in the Big Ten as a big man with steals since Ethan Hap, hmm. and and Ethan Hap even Ethan Hap didn't have a two game stretch right. of eleven steals. I mean, I think he had nine in, in a two game stretch on on one occasion, but. He did it more so where if you're posting him, he was the best there was at swimming around and stealing the ball on post-entry passes. Coleman's doing it a lot out of drop, and his greatest attribute to me defensively is the fact that better than most guys in college basketball and most guys that I've seen, he knows when to engage and when to disengage. And too many guys in drop, they disengage from their man to overhelp, and they leave a guy on a roll or they or they leave their guy uh you know unattended to on a on an offensive rebound and he he is playing that game so well and he knows that if ty rogers is a little bit late getting over the ball screen and cliff amory is still up towards the top of the key that's my chance to hold down the fort until he comes back and i'm gonna get a stunt on the ball if you want to pull up and you can't get around me he has learned in just the tendencies, and he studies the scout and personnel. He knows what guys want to get to, and we'll show it in the film, the things he's pointing out, the plays he knows that are coming, and then the variety of defenses you can play with him. I mean, in that mission game, most of the game, Tarris Reed was in there, and he was just a rover. And, and guys like him that are a rover are really dangerous because they know where screens are coming, what gaps to open up, who's back-cutting. Um, what play is coming if, You know, Michigan wants to run a little cross screen on the baseline and he's got Taurus Reed he's going to run over and help Quincy Garrier if Nico Moretti is has a mismatch and is on Kamwa and Taurus Reed flashes to the free throw line because he knows he can go and get there and Coleman's going to come guard him for a high low, Coleman just stays back and helps Nico and Taurus Reed's kind of standing there doesn't know what to do because usually a guy would come out and guard him they'd have a high low for a layup that type of stuff Mm-hmm. that that is what he does and it creates indecision it creates tough shots which allows him to get his hand on the ball it's i can keep going but yeah.
1: but it's that's that's his impact on that end. i i keep updating these mock drafts to see when i get coleman hawkins back in there mike because i i just you know watching these nba games i'm like that's a lot of these things they want uh, in just a role player five stretch who can play defense all these things so he, he's helped himself immensely you know it's was, it was nice to see Sam Vicente and some of these other guys uh, noticing uh, Coleman Hawkins because boy th- this last two months has been amazing for him it, it has
0: and I think Michigan was one of the first games where for a lot of people they need to see the numbers mm-hmm. for whatever reason and that was a game that was like whoa wait 21 10 six four yeah and i tweeted after the game i'm like i don't know if anybody's ever done this before certainly at illinois i don't know when the last time it's happened in the big 10 and i had all these people talking to me and they're like well bruce douglas had a triple double and io had a triple double i'm like you're missing the point it's the six steals yeah because a lot of times the six steals comes from a guard trent Frazier was the last one to it's do it trent, yeah <laughs> it's trent Frazier, but trent fraser's not getting 10 rebounds right. right and if someone does get six steals and gets 10 rebounds did they get 20 points so that's that's why I asked that because those are the types of stat lines where it's like a Anthony Davis Draymond Green where you're like whoa it's this is a little bit unique and you need to have unique guys that do that and look you're right I think for his draft prospects it's why you know sometimes I don't like synergy because if you go on synergy and hit Coleman Hawkins and go to defense it says he's an average defender. <laughs> And part of that's just because, you know, there's so much stuff he does off the ball and Synergy will only track it if you are the, you know, man-to-man defender. And then also the way that they're playing with with bigs and we'll get into that, uh, they're totally fine with if you want to let those guys go off and shoot 20 times and it's Coleman Hawkins that's back there playing single coverage to not let other guys mm-hmm. get going. That's kind of a sacrifice that he's making because if there's one thing for him that you say not necessarily a strength is you know he'll get pushed around sometimes down there yeah um but for the four times he gets pushed around there's six other times he's getting a good contest and he's he's doing all the other right things so um yeah I mean these these draft guys are are certainly they've taken notice and now it's he's really getting their attention
1: before I know I'm bearing the lead with Terrence Shannon here but I just want to expand on that point you made like Julian Reese goes off uh, for, for what, 20-something points. Uh, and then you the get Taurus 3, gets 20 points. And um, then the, the last game, Cliff Omori goes off for 20 points. Um, so, obviously, the post players kind of had their way with Illinois. I didn't put that a lot on Coleman because these are good players and one-on-ones. And, um, I, I, but I do think, did Illinois wait too long to post-trap some of those guys? Because it feels like, Mike, as you're saying, this is – Illinois knows what it's doing. Like, they're picking their poison and saying, okay, we'll let a one-on-one against Coleman Hawkins happen and we'll shut down these other two teams from three, which they did in these two wins, six for 27 from three the last two games. What they weren't able to do against Maryland is shut down Jameer Young. Like, that, that ended up being the, the bigger problem. So what, what's your take on these post players having three straight good games against Illinois?
0: I think that's, that's what they want. If you want to, if you want to throw the ball into Julian Reese and you want to throw the ball into Tarris Reed and Cliff and Murray thirty times in a game,
1: more power to you. We're contested that. contested because, looks
0: too, like and and you mentioned like the timing of the post trapping. Like, did they wait too long? I don't think they waited too long at all. Because when just naturally with coaching staffs, you're like, oh man, we're gonna keep going to what's working here. When really, like, you are continuing to play into what Illinois wants to do. Because if you want... Like, they had success early with Cliff Amoury. So it felt like every out-of-timeout play they were drawing up was for Cliff Amoury in the post. And if you went to a post-trap earlier in the game and he starts turning over like he did when Quincy Garrier came down to to post-trap, they wouldn't have gone back to it. Because in their mind, it wouldn't have been working. So now they keep going back to it even into the second half. And... Illinois ends up winning the game by 23. Yeah. Illinois ends up winning the game against against Michigan, even when Taurus Reed has has success down low. Because it's not about those three guys. It's about Jameer Young. It's about Doug McDaniel. And it's about, uh, you know, Derek Simpson and Andre Hyatt. And and so you're not going to lose solely off those guys being back to the basket scoring down there. If you let those other guys get going in addition to that, then it, then it gets yeah. tough. But they did their job. And they force what they wanted to force. And if Clifford Murray wants to shoot 20 times in a game, Julian Reese wants to shoot 20 times,
1: I think the Illini are going to live with that. All right, let's get to it. Terrence Shannon returns to the court. 13, 13 minutes 13 in there. Uh, I just wanted to give it. Coleman Hawkins his credit, man. Like what, 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 yeah. a, what a performance he's had. Well um, but Shannon returns to the court due to that court injunction. I think a lot of us from the outside surprised that that happens, but he gets back on the court to not start. Uh, did get a huge ovation from the Illini crowd, but what did you see in your first in his first game from both him and the team? Given everything that that goes into this, you know, integrating as a basketball player and as a basketball team, and then dealing with the emotion uh, and disruption of this all. Yeah, I'll start with just what he adds from a basketball standpoint. Uh,
0: you can play faster, and <laughs> like that was. That was evident from from the second that he got in. And, and can it can all I give ties you a stat? Together.
1: Can I give you a stat? Sure. With Terrence Shannon, they're averaging 12 points a game in transition. Without him, it's about six. So yep. just, uh, And then they have season-high 20 in his return. So
0: well, I, what's amazing is just how much it all ties together. And they are a better defensive team when Terrence Shannon's out there. And when you're a better defensive team, you get more stops. When you get more stops, you get more opportunities, like he does, to, to get out and transition. For a lot of teams – transition is long rebound it's turnovers and that's your way of getting out and getting those easy baskets and there were two occasions i don't i don't have the film on it because we did we did coleman hawkins but I'll, i'll describe it here those two plays that you know coleman hawkins had facilitating or terrence shannon had facilitating the coleman hawkins um both times when terrence shannon received the ball uh there were eight guys that were even with him under the basket, I should say seven. He was one of the eight, and if you just stopped it two and a half seconds later, it was like, "Where are all the other guys?" <laughs> and and that's just that's such a weapon to have because he turns transition looks that really shouldn't be there into transition looks, and and that that is only going to help your offense. He shoots ten free throws again, um, and then I think the other thing is you could see right away. Conditioning's not there. Yeah. Um, he's going to figure that out. And anyone that that has, you know, played basketball knows that when you're getting your conditioning right, the first thing that goes is your shooting, because it's it's the most mechanical thing uh, on the court. And so there's just a lot more um, moving parts with that, if you will. Uh, so that that's going to take some time. He'll get. I think he'll he'll get a little bit more um, adjusted to that. But you, I mean, you can see this team was really good even when he was off. I guess in his absence with him the there are
1: even more yeah. possibilities there's no question whose role changes the most with Shannon coming back you know I think
0: and this speaks to this team and the way they're constructed and how balanced they are is I, I'm not sure anyone's role really changes because these are guys that aren't only value, valuable with volume mm-hmm so, Marcus Damask, if he gets 16 field goals attempts in a game, he is just as important shooting eight. Quincy Gary, if he gets 13 field goal attempts in a game, he is just as important shooting seven. Because if that's all you bring to the table, that's a problem. For those guys, if they're not scoring, they're defending. If they're not, de- if they're not scoring, they're rebounding. And so, you can, you can integrate a guy quicker when you have complete players Mm -hmm. and and that's that's been on display for for this Illini team now if you want to get into like the rotation and who's who's probably affected by this Dane because I think they may get to a point here where with an added body in Terrence Shannon like they just rotate in Quincy to the backup five Mm -hmm. if you want to give Nico those five minutes or if you want to give Dre gives Lawhorn those five minutes. I don't know. Like, there's different ways you can go with it, but in terms of like the core guys playing right now, did Justin Harmon look like his role was affected? <laughs> right in that Rutgers game. I mean, like, you go back to to that game specifically and just look at, you know, for example, uh, just the box score itself. And I, you you can go on like down the line. Coleman Hawkins, twelve points, um, nine rebounds. Uh, you had you know Damask was 12 points 5 assists 7 rebounds Garrier was 15 points 11 rebounds um, Harmon was 18 and 8 like you could have said that that happened like that those things all happened without Terrence Shannon right and he played as well and he had 16 mm-hmm. so again it's why this team is so much fun to watch because they all all those pieces like accentuate each other And that's really, really fun basketball, because like they are like that team is just like the sum of the parts. They're really good parts and they're talented parts, but man, the 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 connectivity and the and the synergy
1: they have is pretty incredible. All right, so big picture, how does this team's outlook change with Terrence Shannon back on the court? Assuming it, it it lasts. I mean, obviously we we don't know what the future holds with his case and everything that goes with it. But if he's here the rest of the season, what changes for this team?
0: I mean, I think even in his absence, there's this was a no doubt NCAA tournament team. I think it was a potential second weekend team depending on matchups and how those things shake out. but with with Taryn Shannon, I mean, you kind of feel like you're you're wearing this bulletproof vest, right? Where matchup wise, you like what you have on any given night. And that really suits you in March because you're not sitting there sweating over like, Oh God! If we're on this four line, are we gonna? You know, are we are we on this three line? Do we get? You know, uh, Drake's probably gonna be higher than like a fourteen seed. But you get what I'm saying, where yeah. you start dipping into this like ah, this mid major team or this team here, like that has really good guards, like Chattanooga did a few years ago, that had a Tristan De Silva um, f- transfer from Kansas who could kind of bang with Kofi. Like, uh, like that's not a matchup we want. I just feel like any matchup you throw at them in those early rounds they'll really like and Taryn shannon has a as a you know has a big hand in that um so yeah i mean i think they they go to a final four you know national championship type of ceiling with him um mm-hmm. that's not to say you're not going to have some missteps along the way but and i also don't like you know you know i don't like prognosticating yeah. oh this is a final 14 this is a because that 2021 team was a final Four team. yeah that was a final four team that lost in the second round to Loyola. So those things can happen. Um, but but Terrence Shannon gives you a a heck of a chance to to win some games in March and continue to win games here in Big Ten Conference, playing potentially capture a, a Big Ten regular season title.
1: Yeah, feels like they're an actual contender for the, all those things that, that you're talking about. Uh, speaking of Justin Harmon, averaging 10 points a game now during Big Ten play, and uh, I was kind of researching – who's in the run for, for Big Ten six Man of the Year. Um, and Blackwell from Wisconsin's averaging nine off the bench. Wilcher's averaging about eight and a half. Harmon's currently at seven because of his slow start. Uh, but, man, he, he's starting to really settle in, Mike, and, and even with Shannon coming back makes that big of an impact. Uh, what's, he, what's he mean to this team, and how's he kind of settled in that role? Yeah, I
0: was, uh, re- I was really impressed with him this week because I was really critical of him last week. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did not play well. I had the worst game of the season, no question, against Maryland. Didn't look engaged. You know, Didn't have that same bite he has defensively. Wasn't aggressive offensively. And the reason I was so critical is because you've seen what he's capable of. Showed that against Rutgers. He showed that against Michigan. He showed that at other times this year. And – you know him understanding his responsibility on this team because a lot of times you can look at yourself as a sixth man and be like man I'm I'm you know if I play well it's found money um, or if I play well it's in addition to all these other guys playing well so if I want to take a night off or not come in I got other guys that can help me up and look he may be the sixth man but his his you know importance to this team is is so huge when he is aggressive offensively And when he's dialed in defensively, this team, we talk about Terrence Shannon coming back and and how that gives this team, takes this team to another level. This team gets taken to another level when Justin Harmon's playing like that. Mm -hmm. Because he is a guy that would start at guard for a lot of Big Ten teams. And to have that as a weapon off your bench and for him to continue to just like keep things simple as well, like, hey, even when he had added – Responsibility with Terrence out. It was still, man, straight line drive, active on the glass, pest defensively, catch and shoot guy, pick my spots, attack you downhill. And he's maintained that. And now he's starting to, like like you said, settle into his role. And when you settle into a role, you become more efficient. Mm-hmm. When you become more, more efficient, you become more confident. So he can't have those, those letdown games like he did against Maryland uh, because he's just too important to this team. And man, like what a important pickup he was just for added depth yeah. to this team because they've been they've been kind of thin in that area and, and
1: Justin Harmon has no question helped him out I want to bring up Marcus Damas for a minute before we look ahead to this week he's averaging about four turnovers um a- actually averaging four turnovers the last three games shooting 20 percent from three just 42 percent from the field but he's still averaging during that stretch 17 point seven points four point seven rebounds three assists um it um it hasn't been as clean as basketball, Mike, but he still finds a way to to be productive,
0: yeah, he does. And he got the experience of being at the top of a scouting report in the Big ten for a decent amount of games there. and um but look, with increased responsibility and in ball handling, turnovers just are are you know come with the territory. He can definitely limit the live ball ones, yeah. some of those kind of jumping up in the air and getting caught up in the air. but Um, he's still defending despite the turnovers he's still facilitating like there's been games where he's had turnovers but his assist to turnover ratio is kind of able to kind of balance that out but you know he is what was really impressive about the Rutgers game with him is he maintained his aggressiveness even when when Terrence came back and he was not deferential Um, he wasn't passing things up and and that's really promising because if he's playing like we said earlier in the season like man i'm a i'm a true two on this team i'm a true one in a way um that that is massive for this team because there's going to be times where terrence shannon's in foul trouble or if he's getting the amount of attention that he gets you need a guy like that to take some of that attention off of him and vice versa terrence coming back i think alleviates some of that for for Marcus, So him having that time where he could view himself as like, man, I'm the AP national player of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a, you know, big 10 player of the week type of guy. Like that is, that was big for this team. And he's, he's taken that and, and owned that even since Terrence has come back.
1: All right. Let's look at the week ahead, Mike, uh, Wednesday night at Northwestern, first road game for Terrence Shannon, since all of this went down. And of course, a, a Northwestern team that right now is, you know, top five, top six team, in the Big Ten, and uh, obviously you, they want some revenge after you cooked them uh, with the first game, Big Ten game without Teren Shannon. There, not currently a quad one opportunity, but it's right on the borderline, and I think Northwestern has a chance uh, to kind of get into that top sixty of the net at some point. So, what do you think of this matchup? What are the keys for the Illini?
0: Yeah, I think Northwestern's going to be better with their post traps. They, at home, they usually are, but they, it was just very uncharacteristic of them. To be that bad zoning up out of post traps against illinois that first time around and illinois just absolutely feasted off them um i think it's still their principles they're still going to do it and so you have to take care of the ball because that's where they that's where they get you they force turnovers more than a lot of teams in this league and so if you're not crisp with your reads out of those traps if guys aren't cutting if guys aren't making themselves available that's it's going to be a game and you're going to you have Potential to be in for a long night, so have to take care of the ball, and then you just can't let Boo Booey get off. You just can't. Um, he's he's been so good at home this year. Uh, he's been good on the road. He's a really good player. But ball screen coverages guarding them out of those zoom actions. So when they're setting that pin down, you got to fight through the pin down first, and then fight over the dribble handoff. So we talk about angles, right? We we did a, a film session on that after Maryland where if you're still trailing after that pin down and you're you're a little late and you see Boo Booey lower that shoulder like he's going to come over and curl around that screen and get downhill, shoot the gap. But luckily you have a guy in Coleman Hawkins who can be air traffic control back there with Matthew Nicholson not being a threat as a five shooting the ball where he can maybe absorb those things. So taking care of the ball and how they guard ball screens and zoom actions I think is the, the key against Northwestern.
1: Then you get Indiana uh, at home on Saturday, a unique matchup. I mean, obviously, I think Illinois has got a huge advantage on the perimeter and at the guards, but Khalil Ware uh, is a really good player. Renew is a really good player. and is a really good player. Like, they have a really good front court. Uh, what do you think of, of that matchup? Because I'm not a huge fan of this Indiana team but um, for, because of their lack of guards, but they do have talent. They do,
0: and, and we'll see what Ware's status is for that game because I think – he could have a potential big impact on that game. But look, I think you can get them in transition yeah. because they're just not a good offensive team. I mean, they're outside of the top 100 in, in Ken Palm right now offensively. Just don't quite have an identity on that end. Maybe that's another game where they say, where Illinois says, you know, Khalil Ware, Malik Renew, you want to throw it into them 40 times? Cool. We're fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, like you said, I mean that guard play. I, I can't fathom how they strolled into the season with with that guard play. Is just it's it's insane. And I, and I know they were close on Dalton Connect. I know they were close on a few other guys at that at that guard position. But man, that's just that's tough. You like you really limit yourself, and then you have a guy like Xavier Johnson. That's he struggled. Yep, like big time. Not only just, just shooting the ball and offensively, but defensively, flagrant fouls, losing his mind at times. Like it's it's been it's been rough for them. But but they've had eight days to prepare for for Illinois. Mm-hmm. So gotta think they'll be in tune with the scout. Gotta think that Mike Woodson's drilling them and 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 is trying to ingrain some sort of identity into them. And you don't want them to capture that identity against you so this is a toughness game for sure against indiana and it's a toughness game against northwestern yeah. when you go on the road in in that type of environment you mentioned taryn shannon's first road game no question there's going to be some things being said from the stands and um you know there's gonna be some orange in the stands for sure oh, yeah. but these are these are college kids man and and you're gonna have to to play well in that environment and be tough and and same goes for when
1: indiana comes to town uh, next saturday speaking of indiana i kind of want to use that as uh, a reason to bring this up mike 11 years ago wow almost 11 years ago uh two weeks from now um indiana came to town as the number one team in the country and you guys the illini who had lost what seven straight heading into that one uh six of seven Six or seven, heading yeah. into that one. Fifteen and eight, two and seven in the Big Ten. You upset them, seventy-four, seventy-two on that Tyler Griffey layup. DJ Richardson had a fantastic game uh, in that one. Just, what are your memories as somebody on the sideline in that locker room in the huddle from that game?
0: Oh, one of my best memories um, throughout my Illinois career. We were spoiled that year. We won the Maui. We had buzzer beaters. We had we had it all. But this one certainly took the cake. And just that Indiana team in general, when you look at Yogi, uh, two top five picks in Yogi – or in in Oladipo and Zeller, uh, you had Christian Watford, you had Jordan Holes, you had Will Sheehy, you had Jeremy Hollowell. Um, This was a team that shot the heck out of it, had an All-American center, um, really good point guard play, just – you're doing the scout and you're looking at personnel and you're like, all right, let's, uh, they're 20 and two at that point. I mean, let's, let's just, let's see what happens here. Let's, let's try to bring the fight to them. But what people maybe don't remember leading into that game was, you know, we were 12 and 0 um, and ranked top 10 in the country that year and, uh, just hit a skid coming into big 10 play Big Ten was really good that year. Michigan went to the national championship. They finished fifth um, that year. Uh, Minnesota was a top-ten team at one point. Mm -hmm. And and so you needed this win. Coach Gross calls us in after we have been reeling before that game. He said, no more Twitter. Twitter's banned because they'll tell you you're rock stars when you start 12-0. And And I think his words will, they'll tell you you're scum. Uh, when you've lost six of seven. And he goes, you're not rock stars and you're not scum. You're probably somewhere in the middle. But you can't ride that roller coaster, so Twitter's out. No more Twitter. What was our next game? Indiana. I think we went on to win five of six or five straight, something like that. But that game specifically, you're down 12 at half. I think you're down 14. I think we were down 63-49 at one point Mm -hmm. uh, after a, a Jeremy Hollowell three. So it looked bleak, and you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, this is the number one team. Okay, like we put up a fight, we gave it our best. And then DJ Richardson just went nuclear. Mm-hmm. Like they they wanted to go and drop with Cody Zeller. And time and time again, we just ran up, step up is what we call it, step up five. Sam McLaurin goes and sets a screen. Nana goes and sets a screen. DJ's snaking the ball screen, hitting shots, and you could feel it building. Wow, you're like, man, we and then we're, you know, we're sitting there, we're getting stops, um, leading the a fast break and uh you know we got it to maybe three i think and brandon paul steps up to the line to shoot free throws uh makes makes the first and it was a like died on the back rim and just rolled in and i remember sitting there and like looking at guys there on the bench i'm like this may be our night man (laughs) yeah and then his second one i think he banks in like not only just banks but banks and toilet bowls in and we're like let's go do this so then you have the the final possession or final couple possessions where you know we need to get a stop at 72 72 they can dribble out the sh- they can dribble out the clock they can hold for the last shot um you know we get a great switch from sam mclaurin out on victor oladipo he gets his hand on a ball disrupts oladipo dj richardson comes in and steals the ball Dribble. I mean, it felt like it was taking 15 seconds from the dribble down the court. He gets a layup on the rim and Victor Oladipo sends it into the stands with 0.8 seconds left. Mm -hmm. So what do we go to? We go to flat 25 curl, flat 25 curl, flat 25 curl. And, and that is a complete busted switch. The whole point was, Hey, we're going to have two guys go up and set a screen for DJ, DJ Richardson coming back towards the ball in the corner. And if, Any of those guys jump. And if they bust that switch, you are diving to the rim. Slip. If you feel them get off of you, they wanted to switch. And once Yogi and I think Cody Zeller both bust that switch, Tyler Griffey said, Mm -hmm. beeline. And there was no in the zip code. And that's like, that looks like a really easy (laughs) shot. But .8 seconds. You need to rush it. Got to like quick. You can't like fully go and lay it in. And... I it just the sea parted, and he goes and lays it in, and I jumped up. And if you go back and watch it, two people made it to Tyler Griffey first. I was second with my embrace, and a guy dressed as Goku from from Dragon Ball Z on the sideline was first. He got to he got the Tyler Griffey first. If you go go back and watch it, it's I remember it's unbelievable. that kid. Yeah, that was, it was it was awesome, and one th- one story I don't know if many people have heard, but I'll tell it because it's just it's one of the
1: funniest things ever. So you had we had the court storm, long winded. Uh, I'm sorry, by, but but no, by, this is great. But by the way, um, Brandon Paul, hell of a pass on, on that inbound, and yeah. Riley O'Toole was in the stands and went and just like hugged the heck out of him. Yeah, uh, Riley was him.
0: there baseline with my brother. Yeah. for that game because we've known Riley for a long time. So he runs over, and the funny thing with Brandon is he passed that ball, Tyler lays it in, and instead of going over and celebrating, um, I still view it as a form of celebration from Brandon. Brandon walked over to the courtside seats just sat and down. just sat there and just took it in. Yeah. And Riley went up and like it was like sitting down next to him and was like patting him on the chest. So that, that was amazing. I, I um, love
1: that, though, by Brandon because it's like, I just need to take this in. Like, I, I just, yeah, you just, you can go crazy and all that, but just watching the, the pandemonium around you, like, we just did that. Yeah. Like
0: when you're in it, you're kind of like, there's a lot going on. And um, so we had the court storm gross went over. And I think it was, it was, it was Joe Testor and and Sean Farnham. I think we're, we're on the game. They've done it Tess. Yeah. So, so he goes over and sits with them in between them. We have guys storming the floor. So gross is talking DJs probably doing radio. Uh, Brandon may be talking to somebody, so we go to the locker room afterwards. and it's like me, it's it's Mike Shaw, it's devin Langford, Kevin Berardini it's it's um, it's the bench mob, basically yeah. And we're all celebrating jumping around in there. Guys have taken their shirts off. They're you know throwing their jerseys around. And then we hear this. We turn around. Tom Crean is in our locker, room. <laughs> in our locker room. Oh, weird! And he's like, "Great game, guys! You guys played a hell of a game." Mike Shaw was like, "Man, if you don't get out," like he was like stepping to it was hilarious, man. <laughs> because to get to our locker room, it's not like I'm walking to my locker room. Let me stop on the way. Like he went out of his way to go into our locker room and stand where Coach Gross stands pre game and it was just like what are you doing man? A bizarre it was a bizarre <laughs> moment. It's very mainly because green. like our whole team wasn't in there. It was like seven of us. So we yeah. were all kind of looking around like what is he doing in here? So
1: it's very Tom green.
0: A lot of good memories from that game and um, a hell of a night after that game. One thing I remember
1: well, is they reviewed that Griffey layup to make sure it was good. Yeah. And Kareem was like, Oh, it was late. It was late. And Brandon Miller, assistant coach at the time is just staring him down and like, Nope, yep. no. Nope. It was, it was yep. fantastic. It's like Bra- Brandon,
0: time. Brandon was, you know, we had a game winner in Hawaii. DJ Richardson did. Yep. And Brandon Miller was the one that they tried to wave it off. And he was the one once again, running over to the refs, I think I swear he was yelling to the rest that's a chicken dinner. That's a chicken dinner. <laughs> so I, I Rennan Miller's got a soft spot in my heart, man. I loved I loved playing for that guy. And um but yeah, Indiana, man, that was ten minutes, I think, of of description it for it, But
1: Love it. that's probably not enough time
0: with how amazing that night was. Uh
1: fantastic story time there, Michael to a fantastic breakdown, as always. We'll catch up next week. Uh as Illinois and Terrence Shannon try to uh readjust it, but uh Another big week ahead with Northwestern and Indiana, two rivals this week. We'll catch up next week, Mike. Sounds good, man. Great stuff, uh, as always, from Michael Tuop. But uh, that was fun to go down story time with Michael Tuop about uh, a huge win in Illinois basketball history and great breakdown of the Illini as always. We do have our film room getting posted right now as I record this, uh, and it's a great breakdown of Coleman Hawkins and just the defensive impact he makes. Yeah, can get beat one-on-one, and Mike breaks that down a little bit and, and how he thinks Illinois can, can help that a little bit and why they've defended that way, but also just how Coleman Hawkins, as Mike likes to say, plays area traffic controller so well on defense. It is worth the watch. So if you are a VIP member, take advantage and watch those film breakdowns whether it's Michael Tuob now during the basketball season or Jay Layman during the football season I become way more understanding I don't want to say I'm like the smartest basketball person alive but I just get to know the game so much more by Michael Tulip teaching it to me every week so I take advantage of it hopefully you do as well and the same goes for Jay Layman during football season I learn something new every time uh, these guys break it down for me so appreciate you listening to the Alana Inquirer podcast give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast. check us out on YouTube as always hit the like button subscribe hit the notifications bell when you go check us out on YouTube and be on the lookout for all the latest at Alana Inquirer Derek Piper caught up with several recruits at the last Illinois basketball game, including Phoenix Gill. He'll have an update on him very shortly. We'll more on the Jeremiah Fierce commitment. And it's going to be a big weekend for Illinois football recruiting as well. And, of course, we will be at these next two games for Illinois. Go ahead and head to Northwestern. We're... I'm interested to see what that atmosphere is like. Maybe it's half Illinois fans, but there certainly will be Northwestern students there. And uh, what will Terrence Shannon hear? What will that be like for the Illini? And how do they handle a tough opponent on the road? Uh, And obviously Northwestern has been really good at home, beating Michigan State, beating Purdue there. If Illinois can get a win at Northwestern, might help them catch up uh, to these other teams, Wisconsin, Purdue, that they're chasing in the Big Ten and keep Northwestern kind of out of this race at the top. All right, that'll do it for us. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.